All right. Welcome to a, another podcast, or if you're on our site, uh, we're doing a vlog on real stories in private practice. And today I'm joined with Rebecca Williams. She's a marriage and family therapist in Riverside, California. Thanks yeah. for agreeing to meet with me. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> As you guys know, the purpose of me talking to other therapists who are in private practice is to share uh, the stories with you of how people are building their practices and what kinds of practices um, are out there because it's something that we don't often talk about. And so when we don't know, we make up stories in our heads about why other people are doing what they do and what we are capable of doing. And I just want to break some of those barriers and let us all be a little bit more transparent about this process. So Rebecca is all game for that, yes? Yes, I am. <laughs> so why private practice for you? Why even go into it? Um, my original reason for going into private practice was that I had this passion for wanting to help people who are leaving religion mm -hmm. or help people who are in interfaith marriages and they have this conflict over religion mm -hmm. and um i realized that if i wanted to be able to reach out to those people it was it needed to happen in a private practice setting like i don't know how i could have done that in an agency right somewhere like that that wouldn't i wouldn't have been able to reach that population right. um so that was sort of it initially and then the more that i've been going it's like I love not having a boss. I love being able to. Not too long ago, I took a, a call from a potential client that was like, you just kind of have this sense within the first maybe 15 seconds of talking to her. I just had this sense that like, I think I know what type of client you are. And I think that you're going to be a lot of work. Like somebody not who's a good fit for you. Yeah, somebody yeah. who's going to me, like not yeah. a good fit for me. And, you know, we talked a little bit more about what kind of insurance she had, and I wouldn't be able to help her anyway, but I was able to connect her with um, the line that will get her Medi-Cal, a Medi-Cal provider, and she was really happy about that, and it was right. so great to be like, oh, I don't have to take that. No, and you're still helping. That's yes, the cool part. Yeah, yes. yeah. So the yeah. more I can doing it, the more excited I am about other elements of yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, you have a niche that you want to serve and you realize that this is the best way to serve that niche. Mm -hmm. Was there any kind of resistance that it was private practice? Was, did any fears come up around that? Like, um, I'd rather work for somebody like in the beginning. I know now you're saying it's awesome, but. Um, I think in the beginning, there just was a lot of fear and uncertainty about how to go about doing it. Mm -hmm. because I, ha I wasn't like really, you know, I hadn't been planning for years and years. This right. is what I want to do and researching. It was like, I was in another job and um, I realized that I needed to leave that job quicker than I thought. <laughs> so I quit and was like, well, what do I do now? Well, I guess if I want to do private practice, why wait two or three or four more years? I'll just do it now. Yeah. So there was this, um, I felt like this is huge learning curve of, okay, I want to do it. And now I'm like, I don't even know which questions I need to, like, I know that I don't know stuff, but I don't even know what I don't know. <laughs> so, so how did you get started on figuring it out? That was, um, 
I did a little bit, sorry, I did a little bit of, um, well, I had a friend who joined, who added me to the therapist in private practice group uh-huh. because she was in private practice part-time. And she says, you just need to be with these people. And like, that was really helpful to even get a sense of what kind of questions people brought. People don't know that's a group on uh, Facebook. You have to apply to join because they want to make sure that you're in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's run by um, Namrata and James um, McMahill. Um, who are, Namrata is a boot camper. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So if you guys want to check that out, look up therapist in private practice, otherwise known as tip. So you started there and you started asking questions in that group. Yeah. At first mm-hmm. I was just reading. I was just like reading yeah. questions and going, yeah. oh, okay, there's something I need to think about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't know what to, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I think it's probably, how did I find you guys? I think I had listened to a couple of episodes of your podcast like years ago. And then, um, yeah, I've just, you know, searching around and people recommended and I kind of looked at the price of it. I was like, "Eh, I don't know. And then I thought, (laughs) no, it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, Better for me. My thought was, I am so new at this and I am so much in the dark. Like I really need to reach out and ask for help. And I know in the long run, it will be better for me to just kind of, do it the right way the first time mm-hmm. and to kind of fumble around and get frustrated and end up, you know, later going, okay, I'm ready for help. Now. Yeah. You, you know, I was, I was like that. I mean, when I started out, that's how Miranda and I met. Cause I was like, I'm not messing around. <laughs> and back yeah. then, there were not like Facebook groups yet or anything. And it's not even that far back, but for some reason it feels like way back when I was. <laughs> learning, but, um, yeah. I think there's, there's value in that. What's been the biggest learning curve for you in building the practice? Um, overcoming money blocks has been the biggest thing, which surprises me. Like oh. Starting out on the journey, I totally thought, like, I've never had a problem that I really questioned my own value. Like, I know that I'm a good therapist and mm-hmm. I know that I could help people. Like, that wasn't ever a kind of area of self doubt. And I, so I thought that this, journey in private practice was going to be all about learning the technical stuff. Uh Oh, I need to learn the business side of things. I need to learn how to market and I don't know anything about business taxes. And so I thought that it was all going to be very kind of cerebral that way. Uh And then, um, in the, with this last round of boot camp and the last, you know, my three months or so, there's just been, that has been the biggest change. I didn't even realize that I had money blocks and (laughs) like, wow, I have all this like family history stuff with, with money and, um, and overcoming some shame that I had about money that I didn't even know that I had. And that's just been a very different journey than I thought that it was going to be. Yeah. Right. Cause business is a reflection of our internal world, actually, you know, just, Mm -hmm. and, um, there's some subconscious stuff that can come out unexpectedly through digging a little deeper into what you want to create for your life. So how have you worked to overcome some of those blocks and the shame? Um, Well, for me, part of it was just looking at 
um, I think it was an exercise in boot camp that was like your earliest memories about mm. money. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking back all, you know, genogram style, looking back at like my family's stories about money. And I realized there's generations worth of mm. financial ruin and the story being like, oh, well, the market just wasn't in their favor. Oh, they had to buy and sell a home at the wrong time. And I, I don't know, that kind of stuff. And then I, then I look at my mother, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother all have a story of, it's a husband, basically, who made some bad choices and they were financially ruined, like bankruptcy, losing the house, like the whole nine yards. And mm. so that was really kind of powerful for me to realize that legacy Mm. um, and to think about how that was impacting my own thoughts about making money and having money and being successful. And I realized that in my, something that's helped me break through that is I realized in my own situation, what is different than my family pattern is that I'm not dependent on my husband's income. Mm that this isn't me like, oh, too bad. It's out of my control. Mm-hmm. That's in the story, right? It's like mm-hmm. something, he'll make some mistake and then you're screwed. Right. <laughs> um, but that's been, that's been powerful for me to realize is that this is where I'm breaking the cycle and this is where it's different. And it's me taking control of my own finances and my own future. And that feels really empowering. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I mean, I don't know if other business owners whip out genograms when it comes time to address their money blocks. I think I'm going to suggest that in the next boot camp. No, I like it because it does, it's true. It's the whole like rooted stories and narratives that uh, influence us. So, in building your practice, what have been, some of the most fun parts about it? Um, it's been fun to, it's fun to work with the clients. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not very big right now. Mm-hmm. And I realized I went to the, like a networking thing yesterday mm-hmm. and I introduced myself and kind of plugged that a benefit of my business is that I am small. Mm-hmm. because I'm not in a situation anymore where I'm seeing eight or 10 or 12 people back to back. I see at most eight people a week. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that I can, I have time that I can plan for each session and I can think about my clients, you know, from week to week. And if there's something that comes up that I'm like, Oh shoot, I don't really know. Like I have time that I can research it. I can, you know, read some articles or a chapter of a couple books and, that makes, I think it makes my work a lot more fun. I feel more competent. I'm enjoying my work with my clients. And I realize like, yeah, that actually is a real benefit of, to the client of coming to see me because I am small. And so therefore I have more time that I can give to my clients. So you just said a number, right? Eight clients or whatever. Uh And People are listening and everyone's going to have a different reaction to that number. Okay. But what I love is how you're clear about your why, Mm -hmm. like the benefit of like 
not having 10 clients. I think sometimes there's a sense of busyness as a badge of honor or a merit of success. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love about what you're saying is that the number you're working with allows you to be the best therapist and is actually fun because you don't feel like I just got a plug and chug kind of thing. And even Mm -hmm. though you're present in your sessions, when you do that, you can be, there's a part of you that likes the work outside of the room too. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. And right now that I have that eight clients number because in part, I have little kids at home and my husband has a full-time job. So I work two days for four hours each and that's what works for my schedule right now. And I have on my longer growth plan, I want to expand that to be, you know, maybe three or four days, but I know for me to be my best, I don't want to do a full day. Half days work better for me. Yeah. And I think like that's been part of my journey too. I think is being okay with that. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm just little and I just like my business isn't growing big enough. When I stop and sit back and go, no, I don't want it to grow bigger. Like that's for right now anyway. Yeah. And that's going to work for me and make me happy and I can make money at that amount. And yeah, (laughs) see, it's neither here like one is neither better than the other. It is about it enriching your life, being the best that you can for your clients and getting great outcomes in the work you do. Yeah. It's that whole balance. And what works for you is not going to be the same thing that works for everybody else. And that's really important when it comes to business planning, because I think when people get started out, I see a lot of questions around like, how many clients should I average a day? Well, <laughs> you're not going to be able to sit like I can, you know what I mean? Or somebody else could not, you know, I can't sit like they can, you know, everyone is different. And this really comes into knowing yourself. It's a big part of building the business. So kudos to you for also coming to an acceptance and embrace of that because um, it makes for a happier life, I think. Yeah. (laughs) What are some of the cool like tools that you've used that you think are just awesome in helping you with your practice running your business? Um, another boot camp thing that I'm looking over, like I usually would have it sitting right here, but uh-huh. I don't, um, is the vision thing, the four quadrants. Oh yeah, like, yeah. So cool. that was so helpful to me because. And again, I've had to be kind of just like accepting and not shaming myself about it. (laughs) You know, I realized the first time that I did it, my goals were really kind of general and vague. Mm -hmm. And like that, that was okay. The more that I've gotten Mm -hmm. comfortable doing it, the more that I've gotten comfortable with the financial stuff. Now it's not just like, oh, have some full days. That would be cool. Like that was my, you know, initial plan. Um, Now it like has a number on it. What that what yeah. that monthly income would be. Yeah. For those um, people that don't know what you're talking about, yeah. it's a, a grid that we teach in boot camp that I learned from Taki Moore, who I'm sure learned from somebody else. I, I don't think it's uh, <laughs> some sort of um, proprietary thing. It's been around for a long time, but basically it's taking your vision and then looking at the goals for the year and then breaking that down into projects and into weekly tasks. 
so that you're eliminating stuff that doesn't contribute to the bigger picture and instead you're pretty focused on what you're doing and you're breaking it down so that, you know, sometimes we want to, you know, you're not going to build a house in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day or whatever. You got to break it down into smaller pieces and then you can start to see how everything's contributing to the vision. Yes. So we do some training around that. I'm glad that's, that's helpful for you. Yes. It's been so helpful because I think, like I said, starting out, I, there was just like, I was lost in mm-hmm. all of the questions and what, I was even trying to Google, like, what even order do you do stuff? And like, do I find an office before I get a business license? Right. right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's been really helpful to, I think that combined with, I'm using Trello to keep track of my ideas and stuff. Cool. Um, so doing those things together has been really helpful to be like, okay, yes, I have goals. I know where I'm going and I need to not be distracted by all of these bigger ideas because right. this is what I need to do this week. Right. Like, oh, oh, okay. So, you know, with my, I mentioned, you know, I have little kids, so I don't have unlimited time to work on stuff. So, you know, when my daughter is napping, that's my work time. And then I can sit down and look at my list and go, okay, this is what I need to do and like make progress better. Yeah. Um, but then I also have that place where when I have ideas about, oh, you know, I'm having some brainstorm about blog posts that I'm going to do, or I, you know, have some great idea about future growth or something like I can write it down and keep track of it. I'm like, it's going to be there when I get around to that, but I don't, I don't know. So getting my thoughts organized and getting kind of a, um, I guess the process for how I, how I work on stuff has been really, really useful. Really. Yeah. Those are great tips. So let's change the topic a little. I want to talk about your niche because I really love it. And it's something that, um, I did a lot in my own practice and Mm -hmm. I resonate with. So I'm, I just curious about what the process was like for you to choose a niche in terms of people leaving um, religion or uh, a religion that was um, maybe more fundamentalistic or um, I'm I'm struggling with the word, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, moving from a more conservative or orthodox faith to a, there you go. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> how did you work into that? Like, cause that's something a lot of people ask, like, how do I find my niche? Well, how did you do it? Um, so mostly it's rooted in my own life, my own story. Mm-hmm. You know, I was raised in the Mormon church and, um, checked all the boxes and did all the things. And I, you know, really believed in it. And then, um, it's maybe disingenuous just to say that I was raised in the church because I was active in believing until I was maybe 28. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I um, went through this feminist awakening. I got pregnant with my first child who's a daughter and I was having all of this turmoil about like, how do I be a good Mormon woman and a working mom? I was in grad school at the time and I knew I wanted to be a therapist. And, um, and so this kind of started me down this road of losing my faith. And as I have talked to, I mean, I had my own experiences in therapy with individual therapists and with a couple of therapists that my husband and I worked with because he remained active in the church and I left. That was really hard on our marriage. 
and um, just like getting to know a lot of other former Mormons and former Jehovah Witnesses and former Seventh-day Adventists. And um, I kept like, I would hear over and over again, people say these things that like, oh, I wish that I had known. I wish that I'd had a good therapist or I tried to go to the therapist and they were like, well, your problem is just that you need to be more spiritual. Right. And like, oh my gosh, no, that is so not, <laughs> you know, and this was something that I realized was just um, kind of a population that was underserved, but not, yeah. not everybody knows what that deconversion process is like yeah. and how it really um, kind of requires you to reform your identity and it's like a new adolescence kind of all over again like yeah. it's really difficult mm-hmm. um and then you add on top of that what it does to a marriage mm-hmm. and I realized that there were some people some therapists out there who were all about like helping the ex-mormons and I didn't see a lot of people that were interested in helping the mixed faith couple right um and so I think that I had to be far enough on my own journey yes. that it wasn't like too raw right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it like wasn't the right timing but um but yeah it's like I know that I have I have something to give and that there's people who need it and I guess mm. I can't tell you how many times I talk to other people that go oh I know somebody who needs to or oh I wish if oh please don't because I think one time I was um during this last round of boot camp I was like kind of not sure about could could I really help Mormon people are they going to want to talk to me as an Uh ex-Mormon like what and one of my friends said no Becca you have to do this Mm. she said what I would have like I would have given anything to have a therapist who understood understood." yeah yeah okay okay (laughs) so some key points that I'm drawing out from that and um for people that are listening there is an importance of being further on your journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I had a, one of my therapists once said, you're usually just, sometimes you're just one step out of or in front of your client. I don't like to think of it so linear, but in terms of just um, process and experience, um, but I think there is something about when you've experienced some of your own healing that allows space to hold others mm-hmm. and also how beautifully you've used your story. I think nine times out of 10, when I see a specialization, I'm like, or a niche, I'm like, here's a story. Yeah. Yeah. Tied to that. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so thank you for doing that kind of work. I think it's really special. And I love that you saw a need. Um, mm-hmm. That's the other thing of, you know, not, not picking a niche because I also see this question, what's the most profitable one? <laughs> you know, um, those kinds of things. I want to pick something that's going to work, you know, I'm putting air quotes for people that are listening, but really what works is, uh, where there's a need and where you have an expertise and an enthusiasm and curiosity about working in that kind of um, niche. So, yeah. I'm so passionate about like, this was another thing that I needed to be further, far enough on my own journey to do, but I feel passionate about holding space for both partners. Yeah. Um, that 
it's there's there's room for both people to have their personal spiritual journey and for them also to have a happy marriage where they can support each other but it doesn't have to be one or the other that you know one person is the bad guy for Mm -hmm. leaving the faith or the other person is the bad guy for converting to a new faith or you know for remaining faithful or you know whatever I think that there's um that there's space for both people to be there and the couple I think it's really beautiful to see couples come together and like find ways that they honor each other mm-hmm. and honor what's important to their partner. Mm-hmm. It's not the thing that's important to them. Yeah. You know, I just think that those are like these little kind of day to day, the little prosaic moments where that's like what love is. That's what being married mm-hmm. is. It's mm-hmm. these, these little moments where you, you know, the one partner pauses so the other one can pray over a meal, even though mm-hmm. that's not, their thing or they mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know oh, that's yeah yeah which I love is like how you're talking is what's reflected on your marketing because <laughs> I know <laughs> it's congruent and um I think that's another thing of like your voice like in your about or whatever mm-hmm. I was just reading it before we got on the phone and I was like and hearing you talk now, I'm like, it's the same person. Like I see it through and through. So kudos to you. Yeah. There's a real like a sincerity and um, generosity and in, in what you write and in what you're saying. So um, if people know someone uh, <laughs> that could use your help, how could they reach out to you? Um, well, from my website, I'm at RebeccaWilliamsTherapy.com, mm-hmm. um, and I have a contact page there. My phone number is listed there. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and um, I am located in Riverside, California, so I can see couples in that area. I also do sessions online for people in California. Yeah, and um, I offer intensive sessions for people who maybe don't like would want to come see me, but driving an hour every week out to right. Riverside is rough. But if you can come for three or four hours on one weekend, then I can see you for a longer period of time. It's excellent. Yeah. Well, that also brings up another way of working with people, like making it fit into your schedule and also providing a service for people, especially when you have a niche that like they can't find elsewhere. Like, mm-hmm. um, and also just working with you. I, sure everyone's listening has a sense of what it's like to be in the room with you I mean just your presence so um right so when you have something like this that people you're unique and so people may want to work with you but that aren't in the area and so you've made different ways to be accessible right well thank you for joining me and sharing I've really enjoyed it and I'm hoping other people have too. I know they have. So if you guys have questions or comments, post below on the blog or check Rebecca out at her website. I'll put it in the show notes and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you.